Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Travelers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch Podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and powered by LargeManAppears.com. I am your host, your torn tricep on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as I am every week by faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, I mean, look, I don't have a torn triceps. No. No. Um, those also, things are going around, spreading I, like hotcakes. I also don't have a broken foot, unlike yeah. uh, one Mr. Steen. Um, yeah. But yeah, so maybe, maybe I will main event night one of WrestleMania this year. We have more bookings for uh, Chris Amann's Magic Sponge than we do for actual <laughs> Mania matches so far. <laughs> um. So yeah, so, you know. Fuck that company, and I hope it all falls apart for yeah. them. The, the old Z-Pack buffet was happening <laughs> last Saturday, by the sounds of it. But yeah, so, um, so that, that's giving yeah. me a small bit of joy that they are uh, having a horrible time right now. Although, maybe having a great week. Who knows? Yeah, uh, who knows? <laughs> you wouldn't know by asking them anyway, that's for sure. Uh, Don't want to dwell too much on that. We do talk a, a little bit about those kind of... Um, the fucking... I guess we maybe we should like start off by like we we kind of said it behind the the paywall on Patreon last week that we're kind of like we don't record this show in a vacuum like stuff that happens in in current day does affect us and like since the last time we were on the free feed all the Vince stuff has happened and look there's going to be podcasts that I think cover it in way more detail than us obviously mm-hmm. and way better than us obviously. Um, but I think it is worth noting that this is this is post that horrible, monstrous piece of shit being run out of town with torch and pitchfork. Um, although I say that like it was only when incontrovertible evidence was submitted that he was run out of town. Up until then, they were happy to have him around. Yeah, I mean, it was literally only a week and a half ago they had him at a fucking New York Stock Exchange event. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just- horrible like 
the most horrific details that came out and that's what finally done them in actually we shouldn't say that the man not paying his fucking money that he had promised to pay is what did him in yeah it was very unfortunate the choice of words of Dave Meltzer saying not paying it was the worst mistake of his life (laughs) like it's like oh I know what you mean pal yeah (laughs) I know what you're driving at there the phrasing not so great no well I mean it's Dave so it's Dave. The phrasing's never going to be great, is no. it? <laughs> um, what, what, what was the uh, the Peyton Royce phrasing? She got heavier. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the classic you know, Dave. It's, it's Dave. Dave will Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. A crappy Royal Rumble is in the books as well. Oh fuck me! Um, what a bad show. I was skimming through it with friend of the show Keith Brownie, and it's uh, yeah, fuck me. Like I love that every so often you get tempted to to peer back in and see what's going on over there, only to be vindicated every single second why you don't watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you know what? Uh, almost as bad as the Royal Rumble to me, anyway. The possibility of visiting Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, yeah, yeah, Saint Pete. <laughs> I, I hear that the induction video when you arrive in St. Pete, you have to watch that full uh, Hulk Hogan sit-down oh, thing. Oh, God. Unedited. Unedited, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all his takes, brother. Brother Jack. Just fucking horrendous. Um, anyway, fuck that company. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about something good. <laughs> let's talk about a real morally upstanding company. World Championship Wrestling, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> We're getting straight into it, are we? Uh, well, I mean, I guess um, I do have Observer stuff for you, you if you'd like. To, if you'd like to tip down that way, um, do you know what the cover story in the Observer this week is? Um, so this is from the September twenty seventh Observer. Is it that Russo was on his way? Uh, no, not quite. It's um, basically well, the poll at the top of the Observer is Anarchy Rules because Anarchy Rules just happened. Oh, very and good. Yeah. Thumbs up ninety six point one percent. Was a good show. Thumbs down zero point zero. Uh, in the middle, three point nine. Uh, predictably, the overwhelming choice for match of the night there was Taz uh, versus Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome. Taz, that was in um, the match for all of two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry Lynn versus Lance Storm being second place, but the gap was fifty eight votes to eight oh, uh, on that. Uh, and maybe not shocking, uh, maybe even less shocking, the po- the fall brawl poll results. Thumbs up. How many percent would you say? 14. 0. 0.0. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so even the sick uh, of fans observe our fat, like voters at that point. Thumbs down 87%. In the middle, 13%. That's a generous in the middle. Best match winner uh, distantly was Lenny Lane versus Kaz Hayashi. Uh, worst match not that much of a shocker, although there was a lot of competitors for it. Uh, Mysterio and Kid, Mysterio, Kidman, and Eddie versus ICP and Vampiro. I didn't think that match was that, that bad compared to a match. couple of other ones on there. But like again, Malenko Douglas against fucking Force Family was a lot worse than that. I thought. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My apologies. That was second place in the best match poll. That's ah. what it was. I was I, I was skipping ahead on my lines. The worst match poll. Outstanding leader because this is one i was thinking of jim duggan versus berlin yes that is true yeah that was much worse and second place hulk hogan versus sting 
but the cover story, Lee, to, uh, to to let you off the hook. I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat there waiting to hear what's the cover story in The Observer this week. Cover. The cover story in The Observer is that WCW is shite. Ah. Yeah, because it's, it's a big, long think piece that starts off with whoever winds up in charge of WCW is facing an uphill battle. And it's charting how the company has just completely fallen off a cliff. I mean, um, he wasn't wrong. No. It's uh, it's real bad out there, but there's no point. Like, this is all stuff that we have been talking about in real time as it's happening to us on the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel the need to, like, it's a big old, like, it's seven pages in the oh, Observer Jesus. he's ranting for. Uh, so I, I don't really feel the need to talk about it that much. No, we um, don't. No, but we'll we'll scroll down here because there's a few other uh, interesting news bits, both outside and inside of WCW. So the first is, um, stop me if this uh, has echoes of uh, real life, but the WWF is featuring in two lawsuits this week, uh, both about women. Um, one is the WWF is suing Playboy over use of the trademark name Sable in Sable's September issue of Playboy. So apparently they went to print with her Playboy uh, before they had agreed uh, to terms for the licensing of the name Sable. Okay. Um, so they are... Uh, she had already signed an $850,000 deal herself. Right. Um, But no one had signed a licensing deal for the Sable brand seemingly um that seems uh seems a bit odd that they wouldn't just you know because to me she's not with the company at the time by the way i know this is the other thing that complicates it yeah yeah but like wwe and playboy always had a good relationship Mm. like one of the only sit-down interviews that vince ever did was playboy which went fabulously well yeah in hindsight yeah um but yeah that's so odd that they'd sued them. Now, obviously, we know in the coming, what is it, two years, three years, they'd obviously sign on and be well on board. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Jesus, like, like again, talk about stuff that's aged like milk in hindsight, is that it was, like, the, the yearly deal. It was one of the big WrestleMania promos, is that mm-hmm. one of the divas would do a Playboy spread. Mm-hmm. That was, like... A good five or six years, maybe longer? Uh, off the top of my head, it was definitely... <laughs> What's that pile of magazines you're shuffling <laughs> through there, Lee? <laughs> well, well, 20, they definitely had the tag match involving the Playboy. Yes, yeah, S- S- Sable and Tori. Tori yeah. did it twice, I believe. Tori did it for... T- was no, she wasn't in nineteen because that was the Miller like Catholic girls, if I recall. But but she did too because I remember she did one by herself because that was the yeah. whole her and Sable thing was based off that she had done one by herself and now they were doing one together. And then twenty one, who faced no twenty one. The only other one I remember, um, Maria, they make it a big deal about was Christy Hemi. Oh yeah, Maria. Uh, no, it wasn't made a big deal because. Christy Hemi, yeah, you're well, right. It was Christy Hemi. Maria as well. Maria as well. Oh, as soon as you said okay. Maria, I remembered, yeah. Um, um, but I remember the Christy Hemi thing because that played into her WrestleMania match. Yeah, because she was not a wrestler. <laughs> like, Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, no, did she have the match or did Ashley take the match on her behalf or something? Wasn't that? 
parts of it. It's all such a blur. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could look it up, but I won't. Um, <laughs> I want to get bogged down into WWE Playboy angles. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, it, 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 it did stretch on for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, the other lawsuit is them being sued by Nicole Bass, um, which is a lawsuit that a lot of us who were around at the time remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, she announced on Howard Stern on 9-17 and, uh, in an article in the New York Post on the same day that she had filed a $120 million lawsuit against the WWF that on the surface sounds like a publicity stunt, says Dave, with his fucking editorializing. Um Bass claimed she was often groped and humiliated, claiming her breasts were grabbed by an unnamed WWE employee and she was threatened if she complained about it. She also claimed she was supposed to be hit with a flimsy fake guitar but instead was hit with a real guitar. That's the detail I remember. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the gimmick, the the, gimmick the guitar, guitar wasn't gimmicked. gimmicked uh, which opened up a cut in her head and the company wouldn't allow her to go to the hospital and instead super glued the cut shut. Um... Which is what's very sad about this is like not only Dave's editorializing that it sounds like a stunt because this is a few months after the the Rena Miro one settled. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the the end of this is that she announced it on Stern, then Stern basically made fun of her for the whole segment for it, um, which is awful. Um, what else have we got? Oh, so uh, we see a clip of it on this show that we're about to talk about but the on the 920 um nitro they did an overrun to try and spike the rating and the overrun was a face-off uh rick flair versus diamond dallas page having a match do you want to guess what the rating was for this overrun because you know overruns usually catch some of the audience for the next show so they're usually like artificially drag up the rating of the whole hour go on what was it because it's WCW and they're stone cold, it was a 1.73. Okay. It's the lowest rated segment on a Nitro in years and the lowest rated Nitro main event in history. The number was so low that it made Kiss and Megadeth Late Show concerts look successful by comparison. See, they probably didn't even advertise that they were going to have an overrun. They probably just did it. That's one thing I'll say, like, when I think about how often AEW get their overruns, like, mm-hmm. they beat you over the head with the fact they have an overrun. You know, we're going over the top of the hour, we're staying with this mm-hmm. as long as it takes. They will say it a hundred times over on the show. Um, but I, th- I thought that was worthy of note, because it's just like, it is hard to get an overrun to do worse than the show that preceded it, but God for... God almighty, they managed it. Especially having um, just sat through a three-hour nitro, why do you need an extra ten minutes? Yeah. If I went through a three-hour nitro, that's actually the last thing on earth I would need. I can't imagine anyone going, oh yeah, I could just do it a little extra taste. Just one more bite of nitro. Um, We have got... uh, Yeah, Heroes of Wrestling is moving forward, happening next month. We can all look forward to that. Um, it's going to be the first big independent wrestling show in the States in quite some time. Well, well uh, any who says, won't be looking forward to it is us because we're never watching it. We're never, never watching it. We're, we're on record once again that we're never watching it. 
Um, you can also add Jesse Ventura to the list of those who are mad at Playboy. Uh, Jesse Ventura was on the radio saying he agreed to do an interview for the magazine because he was told it would appear in the December Millennium issue. As it turns out, he will be in the November issue. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but Ventura is claiming they deceived and double-crossed him. <laughs> He's also forming his own video and record label, which will produce a Ventura CD titled We Rocked the World and a documentary of the same name. The CD will have recordings from local musicians with quotes from the governor, while the documentary will review the campaign election, inauguration and post-inauguration. So, so, so know, Jesse has a Christmas all, present for someone. Yeah, Jesse has always been insane, is what we're establishing here. Yeah, 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 hundred uh, percent. I'll just uh, skip through some of these uh, little WCW notes. Right now, things are very strange as Manny are trying to politic and struggle for power in WCW. The booking is largely being handled by Kevin Nash, Dusty Rhodes, and Kevin Sullivan, with input from numerous others. The general feeling is that the 920 Nitro was a success, even if the ratings say otherwise. It's an interesting game because so many want power and different alliances are being formed and no one can predict how it will eventually shake out. Nash, in particular, is going back to the same people he reached out to last year as their saviour in the wake of all the frustration with Hogan's near-ending push or never-ending push, uh, before he basically did almost the worst job of booking in history. Uh, Nash blamed his lack of success on the fact that Bischoff would get involved and that he was always forced to push Hogan and wasn't allowed to push the younger wrestlers. He'd promise he'd push them now. Uh, however, with Bischoff not around, the push of Hogan continued, which caused him to lose some credibility, but he did come up with a semi-major angle for the Mexicans. Uh, a rushed angle, but an angle nonetheless. I'm assuming this is referring the to the, the animals mask. forming. Yeah. Well, no, I always think the hair uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Match, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that does involve the filthy animals, one of yes. them. Uh, Hogan seems serious about wanting more power. Hart wants input, feeling uh, he at least understands how to book angles that make logical sense. I mean, he can't do much worse. Uh, Flair sees this as his chance to gain power as well. Uh, backstage at Nitro was said to be the most relaxed things had been due to Bischoff being gone, but there's no general feeling things are going to change for the better either. So it's like, things aren't better, but we're a little bit more relaxed about it. <laughs> well, it's, it's like they got rid of one problem because Bischoff is gone. But, yeah, I mean, they still have, you know, Nash Two-Face and everybody. Um, mm. Dusty clinging to control. Flair, for whatever reason, wanting control again. Hogan mm. doing the brother-brother routine. Like, yeah. it, it's still a fucking hornet's nest of just arseholes. Yeah. Uh, I will say, um, I won't get too much detail here because it will steal some of our talking points from the show. Uh, but one thing that does seem to have changed on a TV presentation, as Dave notes, is that there actually is some planning for the future. So unlike last month where we were two weeks out from Fall Brawl and no one had any idea what any of the matches are, we're seeing on TV matches already being booked for Havoc and mm-hmm. matches being booked for like the next Thunder and the next Nitro and things like that. And even if the stuff is bad still having a plan and committing to it is better than being bad and having no plan as well. Absolutely. You know? Um, Ted DiBiase recently appeared in the 700 Club and confirmed he was no longer associated with WCW. Um, As best we can tell regarding the Nitro Girls, there were big problems in the camp between Kimberly, who runs the troupe, and everyone else to the point where several of the women complained to HR at Turner about their treatment. The Nitro Girls won't be performing on Nitro until the end of the year when the new ones from the weekly Star Search deal are on the team. Problems have apparently somewhat been alleviated. Um, So we know that, like, Kimberly isn't gone from the company because she's still around for a long time. So have they basically just, like, canned a bunch of the Nitro girls? I think they they 
got rid of a lot of them. Like because Kimberly obviously is around in two thousand. Um, AC Jazz isn't her name. Mm-hmm. She stays around because she becomes a semi regular character for a little bit, and mm-hmm. wasn't Spice. Was she on screen for a bit? Well, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna find out. I can't remember. Well, and obviously, um, Charmel. Oh yes, of course. Because she comes in with um, the genius as her first, uh, mm-hmm. or not the genius, the artist. The artist, yes. yes. The genius, not the genius. We're, that would be a different thing altogether. We're not getting, we're not getting any Lanny Poffo on the show. No, uh, and he doesn't want it that way either. Um, in the Nitro match, where Hogan pinned uh, Page in a six-man cage match, and Billy Silverman only came to two after the leg drop, but the match ended anyway, making people think Silverman was the world's most incompetent ref. The actual story is that during the show, Bischoff changed the finish to Hogan pinning DDP with a leg drop. Silverman was supposed to be told in the ring by the wrestlers, all of whom knew, but he wouldn't have. Nobody bothered to tell him, so he stopped the count. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So... These six wrestlers, professional wrestlers, these are professionals, yeah. very well paid, um, yeah. were in the ring, in the main event, on TV, and not one of them bothered the whole to tell the ref the finish had been changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've nailed that there. That's that's exactly what happened. I just, I mean, the, the stupidity is down. Yeah. Um, biggest locker room joke at the moment is Paige is now going to buy a house next door to Bill Bush <laughs> uh, there was minor heat on Benoit for doing the interview on 9.13 where he said that Sid had tapped out the night before but the ref didn't see it Sid did tap out to the crossface, but he wasn't supposed to <laughs> Benoit wasn't oh. supposed to bring it up because it would have hurt Sid's invincibility and I guess the end result is that Benoit is going to have to do another job for Sid Um. So okay. Sid is dumb and tapped out when he wasn't supposed to. And Benoit pointing out that that was a thing that actually happened got him in trouble and not Sid. How much money do you want to put it on that Aaron Anderson told Benoit to point it out? Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> uh, I know you're excited about this one, Lee. Hall and Nash will be back on TV before the pay-per-view. No, they won't. They are floating a rumor where they want to go to Japan and win the IWGP tag team titles and come back with the belts, but it's highly unlikely this scenario would take place. Hall's divorce became final last week, while Nash is also undergoing a divorce at the moment. Um, yeah, because he was having affairs with a Spice, I think it was, mm. from the uh, from the Nitro Girls. Stories of Bret Hart suffering injuries to his mouth from the baseball bat shot are just working an angle. Uh, Jimmy oh, Hart wants to So he didn't get hit with the baseball bat Nope I tell you what it looked like he did So well done fucking Lex Zucker It's probably the best thing you ever did <laughs> um, Jimmy Hart wants the announcers live For Saturday night on 9.28 There's also talk not finalised Of dropping those tapings completely next year And turning that show into a magazine style show um, Goldberg suffered another injury, a back injury while weight training on 9-10, but he worked Baltimore even though he was in great pain. That's why he sold so much of the pay-per-view match with DDP, but he was feeling better as the week went on. Um, good Lord. Dustin Runnels is scheduled to debut in the next week or two, and not as a member of the Cowboys. So, Oh my God, I just thought he's that. Not straight, he, he's not straight away spooky pedophile, but... 
I just thought of that. I they mean, could have brought him in at the top of the fucking Cowboys, and it would have made sense. Yeah, and he would have been a focal point of magnitude for them. better in the ring yeah. than any of them. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh man. CG Affy, the Lodi fan who runs in every week, got popped in the eye legit by security on nine thirteen at the Chapel Hill Nitro. While Doug Dillinger and WCW security were clued into the angle, local security wasn't, and one of them chased him down and punched him in the eye. Hang on, there's a Lodi fan that interferes every week? It must be on Nitro, because I haven't seen him on, on Thunder. Unless they mean Lenny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he got a black eye and was complaining a lot. A lot of the veterans who were used to working the old territories where they had to fight their way out of fan riots were really mad about him complaining about taking one punch. But it is an almost forgivable lack of communication when someone is injured because they forgot to clue in security, security that they're doing an angle like that. So, so uh, this is security in- and referees that they've forgotten to clue in on angles now. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who love stories about WCW wasting money, Tori Wilson, who has disappeared from television, but you can see her all over every fitness magazine, currently has a three-year contract and gets first-class tickets to every TV taping. For Except wh- for the really top guys, hardly anyone in the company gets first-class. Wow. Okay, they so the most amazing... I was going to say, so that makes sense for why she was brought into, you know the WWF and they felt like they had to humble her because hmm. how dare she uh, get first class travel this is very surprising for WCW there have been drug tests the past three Mondays so well, that will explain why Hall and Ash aren't back yet <laughs> uh, well I mean Big Papa Pump just returned he just came back yeah um, Flair's daughter Megan will be married next week Scott Steiner's back is still in really bad shape um, Disco Inferno is going to be joining Chavo, Hoovy, and Psychosis in a new group. The idea is that all four will be mad because they weren't asked to be in the Filthy Animals. <laughs> it's a great angle. An angle of salty bitches. Uh, the current plan, which of course can change, is not for the revolution to split up with Shane Douglas going heel, but for the whole group to go heel and feud with the Filthy Animals. Um, the Filthy Animals, who in fact are pretty heelish. <laughs> Dave issued a correction and I did notice this and I was going to make a joke about it last week but I'm glad because he issued a correction here the actor taking Bischoff's spot as a major wrestling promoter in WCW is actually named Joe Pantoliano not Joe Pantalones <laughs> although he is widely nicknamed Joey Pants which is true although he says Joe Pants here in another typo uh, they'll be filming wrestling scenes for the movie at the 1016 and 1030 tapings in LA um They'd, his name isn't the wall yet, but they they checked in that Berlin's bodyguard's actual name is Jay Chute. Um, Bret Hart filmed a hip hop video this week for a Canadian group called The Rascals, and that is your the end of your WCW news in brief for this week. Um, yeah, just another great week to be in the, in, the East, in WCW, eh? It's never dull. We'll give. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. So, shall we get to this then? Let's let's do it. This is Thunder episode eighty-one from Norfolk, Virginia, twenty-third of September, nineteen ninety-nine. Getting a two point two rating. That's up by point one. Two successive weeks of going up by point one. Thunder now the A um, show. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, no messing to start this show. No entrance video. No pre-roll from Nitro. Pyro. No, uh, and uh, pens are in the ring. We're ready to go. Um, what's weird is when we do the hard cut to Larry and Tanae, huge booze in the crowd. What's going yes. on? Um, well, I don't know if you noticed this, but Larry got up to acknowledge all of his fans when, like, I mean, I know it's ridiculed a lot, but there was, like, maybe five <laughs> people chanting for Larry here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what the booze were about. Maybe they just really don't like Dave Penzer. Yeah, I don't know. Or they got startled by... It was a preposterous amount of pyro even for Thunder, I have to say. I mean, um, listen, Bischoff's been sent home, so the pyro the pyro budget obviously went up. Tonight says the hot two topics in WCW are, that, uh, are the two matches that were signed for Halloween Havoc. So they're letting us know all these weeks. I think it's still six weeks until the pay-per-view. We already know the top two matches. One is Sting versus Hogan. Uh, Larry says Sigmund Freud would have a field day with Sting at the moment and his motivations behind what he's been doing lately. The other match is Sid Vicious versus Goldberg, finally, with special conditions we'd find out about later. Uh, Larry calls Sid Vicious a six foot ten endomorph. Do you know what an endomorph is? I can't say I do, but go on, tell me. He basically said Sid's a fat ass. Ah. An endomorph is somebody with what we would probably call like a pear-shaped physique. Where like from the mid of the yeah. torso down, like you just kind of expand. Uh, so like, I think he thought he was calling him like some sort of monster, but he was just saying that like Sid's a bit dumpy. <laughs> uh, which he's not. Like there's a lot of things you could say about Sid. Like, But <laughs> if anything, like I think his legs are are quite skinny for a man of his build. Otherwise. As we'll see in 2001. Truly, truly. Um, the exact definition, by the way, I did look it up. An endomorph, a person with a soft, ra- uh, soft round build of body and a high proportion of fat tissue. Don't so, fat uh, ass. I think, I th- yeah, I think he might make Larry number 101 uh, after he watches the tape back of Thunder, which I'm sure he avidly watches the shows back after he watches well, I mean, them, he's the star of Thunder. On them. Yes, so he's the main he? character of Thunder. Uh, flashback to Monday and uh, Chavo and Hoovy save Psychosis from getting his mask ripped off by Kidman I always find it weird when the baby face is trying to rip the the heel the, Luchador's mask this off this is what I was just saying the, the filthy animals yeah. are now heels like fucking mm. Kidman is not a face when he's trying to rip off uh, Psycho's mask yeah it's very strange um then Chavo comes out and misinterprets deliberately, I think, what Psychosis was trying to say to uh, Kidman. I, I did I did like uh, Chavo interrupting Hoovy saying, no, 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 I speak Mexican. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> no, no, I know what you're going to say is that you want a hair versus mask next week. And Psychosis starts freaking out and he's like, no, 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 trust me, it's fine. It's fine, don't worry about it. Um, so that, that's building to next week. Um, our opening match, uh, Lenny and Lodi all over this show. This is Lodi with Lenny versus Kidman. Um, I do love uh, one of their signs. So one of their signs says, "We love the Packers." Which, yeah, I get what I get where mm-hmm. you're going with that, lads. Very, very funny. But no, the one that made me laugh was "Thunder only happens when it's raining." Yeah, very it's good. great, great tune as well. <laughs> uh, the ladies love Kidman. When Kidman comes out, there's yeah, a, a very clear high pitched shriek. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he comes out, um, and it's something that Tanae notices and does reference to that he's very popular with the ladies. 
Um, yeah. I think I think it's Larry then that says you know rags on him for actually having hair, which is uh, yeah. quite an interesting tact to take. Yeah. Uh, big dive onto Lenny and Lodi by Kidman early. Uh, Lodi gets the heat. Kidman goes outside. Uh, Lenny jumps him. Lodi then takes out both men on the outside with a diving crossbody, and you can hear him do a very loud "Are you all right?" <laughs> after they hit the ground. <laughs> this is the great thing about watching stuff in HD is that you can hear people call yeah. spots a lot and check in with people. There actually was one moment um, I meant to mention in the women's rumble. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Took a dive to the outside, and you could uh, it was on top of three women, and you could see all three. The, what the angle they got it at, you could see all three women do. The the pat yeah to check and I see if she was all right yes, in yeah. synchron like synchronized it was really like exposing the business yeah uh, almost exposing the business as much as every spot maxine dupree did oh let's say the rumble uh, they're rapidly anyway. improving maxine that's all yes they're rapidly improving uh, they should have her do the rapidly improving thing as a gimmick and she's just doing like Titus O'Neil-esque spots of just like falling over and shit like I'd get over big mm. like a Frank Spencer gimmick in 2024 <laughs> WWE <laughs> uh, uh. anyway uh, he's in charge uh, Lodi that is until he tries to powerbomb Kidman but I think it was one of the best powerbomb Kidman reversals because they actually teased it a little that he might successfully powerbomb Kidman and, and Kidman just, reverses yeah. it at the last possible moment into his face buster goes for the shooting star press Lenny doggedly tries to attack him uh, it doesn't get him off the top rope but does distract him long enough for Lodi to recover and hit a superplex we get a kick out uh, Lenny tries to interfere Eddie comes out uh, this very mistimed Diving Hurricane Rana from Kidman. It was like they did it in installments. Bad, bad Rana. I just have it down as ugly, and that's that's exactly what it was. It was like it was, um, like like you said, it was kind of like in three or four different parts. And Lenny or yeah. uh, Lodis, should I say, was very lucky not to fucking spike himself. It's like they were posing for photos at each point of rotation in the Hurricane Rana. Mm. I didn't care for it. Uh, kick out from that. Chavo comes out. Eddie runs him out of dodge. Uh, Kidman bonks Lenny and Lodi together and hits like I think he's going for his sky high because he does the sky high but he mm-hmm. doesn't he doesn't take follow this. he just he doesn't take so spine he basically does a pop up spine buster yeah. like like you know Farouk spine buster this yeah. is basically what he does um, which is a spine buster I'm quite a fan of but that that, that is not what it I just expected looks, it looks and he wrong. wins with it yeah it just looks wrong wins with it as well that's weird uh, I wonder was there some miscommunication or something going on there oh We'll get back to this in a second. There's a weird-ass backstage segment after this match where Harlem Heat are walking backstage. Booker's going off to get some food. Stevie goes a different way. Uh, And then Sid and Rick walk out of the door Stevie walks into, like a second later. Uh, And they look back, and I think Sid spits on the ground. Well, no, Um, um, Rick Rick, Rick Steiner had a two-by-four. Yeah. And they're they're doing, like, the evil... clapping their hands yeah. like and it's spit on the ground yeah. Shit, Sid's got some incredible jorts going on <laughs> then we get the opening video actually here's a question for you yeah do you think Sid's a never nude well there are literally dozens of them mm. so uh, who could be surprised I just picture <laughs> him like crying in the shower like Tobias <laughs> why Cindy why <laughs> next time you see a Sid match and you're looking under those uh Black trunks. You, you might you might see a hint of denim. You never know. 
do you know what actually now that i think about it i've um the closest comparison i can think of to the sid vicious promo is tobias funke's audition for the fire sale advert <laughs> fire we're having a sale. fire sale <laughs> amazing grace <laughs> i can't even see the door Oh, I love it. It's the greatest show of all time. Um, so yeah, the opening video for Thunder finally happens. And then we go back to Goldberg and Sid from Monday. Goldberg and his fucking enormous traps lay down the challenge. Like, he, most of the screen is taken up by shoulder yeah. and trap. It's just his head and then everything around it. <laughs> he looks like fucking Nappa from Dragon Ball Z, like just preposterously jacked in a way that has to have been drawn rather than exist in the wild. Um, he says, there ain't no fear in these eyes. Sid accepts once Goldberg um, accepts special conditions that he won't come within 10 feet of him, can't touch him and must do what he says. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, 
Tanay then calls out Harlem Heat onto the ramp for an interview, but only Booker comes out. He says that Stevie Ray is on the way to the hospital with a big bump on his head, courtesy of Sid and Rick. And this is where I fucking lost a rag. Because then I realised that weird interaction backstage was supposed to imply that they had just attacked him. But Lee, the the gap of time oh, it was like in le- between... Le- legit three seconds. No, it's not even three seconds, Lee. You're being extremely generous there. It's two at a push. It's two at a push. Maybe, maybe, like, if maybe I went it was frame a... by frame, I wouldn't be surprised if you can see them walk past each other. And I'll tell you one thing, there's definitely not. The sound of a two by four hitting someone's head is definitely not recorded in there. Maybe it was an Earl Hebner too. It was a... And even if... Even if we're led to believe that attack happened, we know for a fact Booker T is not far enough away that he wouldn't have heard it. Yeah, I'll give you that. Stop, stop trying to stop trying to put your continuity Malone no, on no, no. here. I'm not L- having listen, any of this. Listen. I'm just saying there's worse things to get out of this than fucking Booker T versus Sid. So he's going to check in with Stevie later at the hospital, but tonight he wants to challenge Sid in the main event. Uh, next match and I can't believe I'm saying this maybe the best actual wrestling match on this show in several weeks it's Mona versus Brandy Alexander Brandy Alexander comes out in a bin bag Halloween costume (laughs) and then I wrote I can't even remember what it is but I just wrote all caps what is this song Mona has yeah this uh, theme song is diabolical it was bad but uh, you know this this match rule like this was good this wasn't yeah, like, this is not the first one uh, like they this is what i was talking to god who was i talking to on twitter um oh it was, it was uh, wiretop. wiretop wasn't it yeah wiretop yeah um, um yeah. about the match and like it, this is the latest in their series of televised matches in 99 they have a few of them we've already covered i think two mm-hmm. i think we get another um, one anyway yeah um, and but it's, like, like it's, it's just it's not even great on a curve it's good yeah it is and it's just but it's like it's nothing spectacular no do you know what i mean it's just good basic largely math based wrestling mhm um and i don't have a lot of notes on it because it's all lots of pinning combos and mat work and holes really really fucking solid uh the one thing i will say uh, I wrote down here is I feel like Mona wrestling at bare feet is not something she could do now because of how weird people are. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> oh God! Oh, I yeah. I, I want to suggest that, but I absolutely don't want to suggest that as to somebody as a character. Yeah. Oh God. You just, you could see it, like, if ah. she's on Raw now, like, just the trending topic would be, like, she posting feet. <laughs> like, uh, fucking people suck, man. People suck and they're weird. Like, I don't mean to kink shame, but do I? Do I not mean to? <laughs> what was the famous Twitter handle that Joe and Rich would always bring up? It was, like, uh, fucking Tenzon's left nipple or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All those okay, pure, pure, uh... Yeah, you'd get something like Maxine's left big toe or something. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, the finish comes when Mona hits a really good monkey flip out of the corner. Then she runs to the opposite corner, goes for another. Brandy stuffs the monkey flip and then uses the rope to roll Mona up and win. And this is the thing I was saying to Wiretop uh, on Twitter. I was like, this feud puts paid to the idea that audiences wouldn't have accepted women's wrestling if you presented it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like Because the- this... I was going to right. like they they weren't sent out here as eye candy, they were sent out nope. here to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And it got over. Mm-hmm. Well, and crowd and were into it. It does every time. They weren't just into the finish; they were into the big moves. They were into they were cheering Mona. Um, they liked this, and it's such a shame that they do these sporadically every couple of months, almost like by fucking court order. Uh, how irregular they do them. Um. Because they actually, and this is one of those things, uh, and you know, people talk now about how AEW shouldn't be chasing being WWE light, because we've already got WWE. Mm-hmm. One area that WCW could have focused on that WWF did not have their eyes on was actually having a women's division. Like, imagine if in the year 2000, Jazz ended up in WCW and not in ECW. Mm-hmm. You know, the. the there was plenty of women in the states that don't get me wrong there there wasn't the the quantity that there is now but like there yeah. would have been women wrestlers in 2000 that were capable of going on tv and having a match just like this yeah yeah truly truly um, and that, this is really really enjoyable and that's before you even get into the possibility of you know linking up with some some joshy promotion of the time yeah uh, you have uh, a kid in the crowd with a fucking enormous WCW Mayhem box that he obviously made himself. Uh, fair play. I don't know who could be that big a fan of WCW Mayhem on I, the N64. I don't think he made it himself, Dave, because there was somebody with a PlayStation 1 right beside him. Oh, was there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, goddamn plants. I don't know. It was just a very a family with a lot of spare time. Well, well spe- um, speaking of WCW games and their, their boxes, um, have you seen the GCW? It's a hell of a segue. The GCW and JCW versus the World uh, logo. No, they're doing they're doing a show in the game. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing a show on Mania weekend. I think it's the Thursday. Um, okay. Yeah, and it's GCW slash JCW. Very WCW versus NWO versus the World. It's the exact same. It has like the PlayStation, you know, the, the different colors stripped down the sides with the rating. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's very good. Be- like the best thing GCW yeah. has done in like four years. <laughs> it's not a particularly high bar, is it? Yeah. Um, where are we at now? Oh, yeah. Uh, commiserations, Lee, because Evan Cray just beats Blitzkrieg on Monday to earn a Cruiserweight title shot. He could have got another Blitzkrieg match, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wastes, uh, we get Perry Saturn in a singles match, but he has to wrestle Chavo. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, there were some fun moments here, and those were the moments where Perry Saturn got sick of this piece of shit and just started throwing him around the place. He just hit him, yeah. Um, this yeah. match was a goddamn mess. I, like, I don't know what the fuck yeah. was going on here. Yeah. Uh, there's, I don't know what Chavo is... I mean, generally, but specifically now, I don't know what they're going for with him. Um, no one buys when he has the heat on Perry Saturn, because it's Perry Saturn. I, I will uh, say, they've done a very good job burying Perry Saturn recently. 
Like, the, yeah. like when you consider the reactions he used to get. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah they've really pulled the pin on that guy. It's really kind of sad. Um, but they still back him to kick Chavo's ass, for sure. Um, there's a great bit where, like, Larry clearly doesn't think Chavo's a good wrestler because Larry is even burying how he pins people, saying he's doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense wrestling-wise to pin him the way he pins him. Um, so, what have we got here? Uh, Saturn hits a snap T-bone out of the corner, which looks class. A release belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Stacks Chavo up on the top. Eddie comes out. He accidentally low blows Chavo. Saturn doesn't want to take advantage of it and take the pin. So oh, this uh, this finish sucked. Eddie drop kicks Saturn into Chavo. He, Saturn falls down, legs akimbo, and Chavo does the spot where he collapses head first on his balls and low blows and him, and then he pins him off that. Uh, Eddie then on the outside stokes the beef between the animals and the revolution. Yep, I'm guessing a mess we're, we're, as you said. I'm guessing we're supposed to think that the revolution are the heels here. Like Tanay says that Saturn didn't want to take the win over Eddie on Nitro because Douglas cheated. So, yeah, who who exactly is the heel in this situation? Well, this is, as we just read in the Observer, the intention, at least as of the end of this week, is to push the whole group because Douglas has been transparently a heel for a little while, and it seemed like he was going to split off from the other three because he's a heel and the other three weren't. But now it looks like the whole group is going to shift that way. So dumb. Yeah, uh, Sid and Charles Robinson are out. Uh, it's ninety nine and zero. So for those of you keeping track. Uh, compared to earlier when Booker T was talking to Tanae, uh the score has jumped from the mid eighties to ninety nine and zero. Yeah, in just about twenty minutes. So Sid is just pinning people backstage. I have a question there. Uh, what does RFTM yeah. stand for on Charles's ninety nine and zero sign? Because I was looking at it, trying to figure, figure it out, and I can't. I'm, in my head was thinking TM is that the millennium That that's the only thing I can come up with yeah get in the comments tell us <laughs> what RFTM means we're not looking it up um, one thing again I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago and one thing that makes me feel better about this streak thing that wasn't emphasized enough by death of WCW was that, yes, it's a farcical win streak, but even the commentators aren't keeping up the pretense. Like, even they're going, he's just making this up. Yeah, it's, it's all bullshit, and that's the whole point of it, is to get to the Goldberg match. So, it, like, yeah. it, it is good heat in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I think a lot of people, their vague memories of it are that they took the streak seriously for longer than they did. Like, the first couple of weeks, I'll give you, that it seemed like they were taking it seriously while also making up the numbers. Well, he was also doing actual handicap matches to build the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he reminds Goldberg not to break any rules. He thinks the only reason Goldberg is going to show up because he loves these pukes too much that are called wrestling fans. Just a very stilted Sid promo and not the last of the night. Uh, we get a lot. I had completely forgotten about Coach Buzz Stern. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's here with Luther Biggs. Uh, he is bringing him all the way to Thunder. So we, we're uh, on the precipice of the one uh, appearance of Coach Buzz Stern on Thunder. Can't wait. Career-saving moment for uh, Mr. Glacier. For sure. Uh, Monday, we get a flashback to Sting versus Benoit, which I bet under circumstance, different circumstances could be an absolute banger. Hey, Dave, I have a question for uh, you. Yes. Uh, did Chris Benoit beat Rick Steiner for the TV title? Because Rick Steiner did not have the TV title on the show. Chris Benoit yeah. had the TV title on his shoulder on Nitro. I guess he must have. Like, but was this his sec? Oh, because the thing is, we we need to remember there's been two nights. Yes, and that, that was going to be the point. So did yeah was Benoit's reward for dropping the US belt to Sid to win the TV title the next night? That would make sense, wouldn't it? Like, was it was it a case of Nash saying to him, "Look, I know we promised you X with the, with the US title, but you know the Sid Goldberg thing is hot." So here we're yeah. going to give you the TV title. Maybe, maybe. Um, what I appreciated about this match was that Benoit got a visual pin on Two of them. Sting, the World Heavyweight Champion. Yes, twice. Uh, Luger comes out with the bat. Flair comes out to save Benoit after the pin. DDP cutters Flair. Hogan comes out next. DDP says he's above Rick on the food chain. Hogan announces the just this all-star six-man tag uh, with him. Is it him, Flair, and Brett, Brett on one team against the heels? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just look again, classic WCW. It's like this is that could easily be a pay-per-view main event. Now, look to their credit, they're giving it a week's build. Yes, that is a week more than they usually would, mm-hmm. to be fair. Like when they did that, was a Goldberg, Sting, Hogan, yeah, Six Man, time, it yeah. was on an hour and a half's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I, I have a new a new slogan for, for Sting. Right. So as you know, for years now, we've been saying he's sad and he has a bell. Now he's just, mm-hmm. now he's bad and he has a bell. <laughs> he has a bat and he's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what happened to you, Steve Stinger? Him as a, a a pensioner now is more compelling than him as a heel in '99. Yeah, go figure. Look, it's it's. I get what they, what they were trying, but like as as we said on the pay per view, the two sides are like just out of whack. It should be Sting, Luger, and yeah. And DDP defending WCW against these mm-hmm. other fucking arseholes. Great googly moogly. Van Hammer versus Prince Ikea, the Flatpak Sovereign. So, Dave, my first reaction... The Aaron Quinn segment. My first reaction to this match. How many times do you think we have already seen this match? Do you? Did you get I, I looked. I looked this up. I've done my research here. Any number between zero and four thousand will not surprise me. No, gen- genuinely, how many times do you think we've seen this match on Thunder so far? Four. Dave, this was a first time ever match. <laughs> God. Not even What a privilege. They literally had only shared the ring during World War Three. Oh my god. 
that's insane that that just didn't happen in a thrown together match I before now. could have sworn that these two have had like a best of seven series on Thunder. It's also about the fourth time we've had a match where the commentators start off by going, Prince Ikea has a harder edge than the last time we saw him. And then he goes on to fucking lose. I tell you what, if he get, um, gets any harder, you'll be fucking Tank Abba by the time we see him again. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, I wrote, what a lack of talent here. <laughs> uh, it's a punch kick special. And I was like, and, and in case you wondered why that would be, why these men couldn't be trusted to do anything else, is because Van Hammer nearly falls over doing an inverted atomic drop then. Where literally the bump is you go down to one knee and he almost couldn't do that without falling on his arse. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not going to argue that, but I'd also say this match was probably better than Chavo versus Saturn. Yeah, probably. Uh, Van just kind of stretches him for a while. No one cares about Ikea's comeback, that's for damn sure. Uh, Van puts it down pretty quickly, hits his Cobra Clutch, clutch Slam and wins. Uh, waste of my life. And then, Lee... Time for Van Hammer Van to gets on the mic. step up, Dave. He's stepping up. And what does he say? And he challenges. Well, first of all, he calls out the production team for not having this on their run sheet. Because he's shooting, Dave. Yeah. He's shooting. He's shooting from the hip. And people think it was Russo that introduced shooting. No, no, no. It was Van Hammer. It was your boy. Um, Hammer says that he's calling out the winner of tonight's main event for Nitro. So he said he doesn't care Ooh. if it's Booker T. Or he doesn't care if it's Sid. So Van Hammer's long term storytelling. Van Hammer's coming for that US title, Dave. Yeah. And I can tell you for one, I want Van Hammer as the martial arts division champion. I know you do. Fucking chaos reigns. <laughs> the lowest ebb of that title. And that title has been some places. That title has had to be stripped because of inactivity twice, and this would still be the lowest <laughs> ebb. Um Next up we got uh Ah, yes. Rick Steiner versus Eddie Guerrero. Rick Steiner does his promo. I wrote, fuck off, Rick. Uh, Tanae alerts us, as you uh, said earlier, Lee, that Scott is back and he has aligned himself right back with Rick and Sid. We could have had Eddie versus Scott. And I know Scott is still hurting, but it still would have been a damn sight better. Eddie is one of the greatest to have ever lived. And even he couldn't get anything out of this fucking lump. I literally the first thing I have is Rick Steiner's done it he's had the bad Eddie Guerrero match yeah Eddie is such an unbelievable face in peril and it's almost a super human effort to make this a, a passable match and he doesn't achieve it it's it's uh, it's bad folks um he rallies a little. Uh, Eddie hits a really impressive standing Hurricane Rana. Like, just the vertical leap on the man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Of course, yeah, of course comes at, out for a DQ. Yeah, at, at that point, after Eddie's, like, first offensive move of the match, here comes Sid. Mm-hmm. And Eddie has to choke slam himself off the top rope. Yeah. Just a waste. Um, an absolute waste. Yeah. The heels kill the baby faces. Um, and this leads us into the Cruiserweight title match. Lenny versus Evan Courageous. Um, after we're told that uh, Evan Courageous has recently had some guest spots on All My Children, we actually get a match. 
Um, I did laugh at Larry saying that uh, instead of going on TV, he should go down to the power plant and learn how to wrestle. Well, after... I like, if I wanted to learn how to wrestle, the power plant is not where I would have gone, sir. Well, after watching this match, I kind of can't argue with Larry's logic because the finish to this match, oh boy. Talk us through this match, Lee. Um, the match was pretty fine. Like, as we've said over the past number of weeks, Lenny Lane is like, He's pretty good, like competent in the ring and has mm-hmm. pretty good matches. Like I can do without the the gay panic spots and like it is what it is at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Courageous is very, very, very green. I can see why they're wanting to do something with him. Like if he's getting these kind of uh, TV spots and stuff, like the guy is shredded. So I'll give him that. Um, but God, like he, like courageous. Tries to do a sunset flip powerbomb out of the corner and almost tangles himself up in the ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, Lodi, Lodi botches his interference spot. And I don't know if it was a case of Courageous didn't want to take the corner bump, you know, where, you know, you knock their feet out and they bump into the corner um, or crotch themselves in the corner um, or what. But Lodi ended up having to push Courageous off the ropes and Nick Patrick is standing right there going, Hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then we get the finish oh my god so yeah. the plan finish was that Courageous was going to go for some kind of roll up and Lo- Lenny would catch him grab him by the feet slingshot into Lodi who was standing on the apron well that's not what happened Dave because after four attempts they figured out that Evan Courageous did not know how to take a slingshot and mm-hmm. Lenny Lane proceeded to what I can only describe as yeet uh, Evan Courageous towards the ropes and then he hits his finish but I mean I don't know about you Dave but if somebody doesn't understand the very basic thing of put your shoulders onto the mat so then I can fall back dramatically and you fling yourself into the ropes Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they should be working on TV. No, probably not. Probably not. And like, I've seen him be better. Like, he's still like he's green every time. Green as grass every time I've seen him. But I think this was his least impressive showing we've had so far. But they tried three or four times to get him into position, and he just wouldn't drop to the mat. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was at this stage of the show where I was just kind of bummed out. Now, look, Lenny Lane is clearing out that cruiserweight division. Yeah, he really is, isn't he? Like, he's on a fucking Mad. streak here. Like, he's just going through everybody. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, we should note that on their entrance, I don't know if you spot this, but uh, Lodi had the hottest sign in the history of pro wrestling. What did he say? He just said, what? Oh, hello. A year and a half to two years before one Stone Cold Steve Austin. Somewhere across the country, backstage at SmackDown, someone's watching a monitor on Turner, like, well, goddamn, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Write something down in a notebook for a couple of years from now. So obviously you know the story of why what became a thing, don't you? Mm Mm-hmm. We're Austin. Do you want to regale the listeners with us? So the, the, so, the story that... So that's not just a private conversation between <laughs> us. 
Yes, Lee, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Great. See you later, sir. <laughs> so the Peter the Mindly. I probably should have pretended and go, no, Lee. I, I mean, look, know. that's what I was Tell setting me. you up for. But, you know, you... Sorry, I'm usually good at doing that and, and going and giving you the office, you, but I shut you down. You there. just have to go, yes, of course I know. I'm fucking smart. Classic. Violated the first rule of improv. I didn't yes and you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the story that Austin always told was that in... Look, Year, like was late was probably 2000 on their road trips whoever was in the car with him so austin would ring i think it was christian edge and there may have been one or two others and austin would proceed to cut these promos on himself while constantly interrupting what what mm-hmm. and these promos got to be so funny and all the guys in the back loved it that were just like why aren't we doing this on screen and that that's where it all came from is that Austin was killing time on drives, fucking prank calling the guys and cutting promos on them. So my question is, is Lodi doing that very same thing in nineteen ninety-nine and cutting promos on fucking Scott Levy <laughs> while driving down the road? I think it started off as him cutting promos on Scott Levy and he was just going, Scott! <laughs> Scott <laughs> at the end of all of them and they're like hold on there's something here <laughs> so yeah but yeah a good let him cook let him cook a, a good year and a half to two years before Mr. Austin came up with what hmm. here was Lodi yeah. the trendsetter mm-hmm. um, Lee I'm actually gonna seeing as your um, he's one of your boys as well as Blitzkrieg I think I'm gonna start giving you the office during Sid Vicious matches I mean I, uh, I don't think you should uh, I think I will. I mean, that that sounds like <laughs> a lot of work for me. Uh, yeah, that's what I like about it, to be honest. Uh, we get a flashback to the Van Hammer challenge before this, that as if you had forgotten what happened 20 minutes ago, if that. Um, and now, our main event, the WCW United States Heavyweight title and Martial Arts Division Championship. Uh, Sid Vicious with Charles Robinson and Rick Steiner in his corner versus Booker T with no one in his corner. I mean, I don't have much notes because you're not a note taker here. I, I'm, the, I'm the color guy. <laughs> this is this is like putting Wade Barrett oh, as, as the main analyst on the show. Like It's not going to work. Sorry, that's an interesting way of saying coward. If you want to give me back the... <laughs> if you want to hot tag me back. In. I mean, look, there's not much notes to have. Um, so, like you say, Charles and Steiner are out with uh, Sid here. And Nick Patrick proceeds to come out and kick Charles out of the ring. Yeah. And the commentators speculate that he's kicking him out, you know, to the back and Steiner to the back. Except he's not; he's just leaving him at ringside because, of course, they won't interfere, Dave. Um, so match starts up. Booker like kind of jump starts the match, sends it to the outside. They brawl a bit, uh, do a bit of crowd brawling, like all around, basically one side of the ringside, come back out the other. Um, I did like the girls in the front row screeching anytime Sid or Booker got near them. I thought that added a nice little bit to the match. Um, we get, again, I can't be sure if these were piped in or not, but we do get some very loud Goldberg chants. Yeah. Considering. I think they were, they felt organic this time. Either it was a very good dub. Yeah, I was just going to say, considering how quiet this crowd has been, I can't help but feel they might have been piped in but you know they did it was a good position in any way um so my next note is that we get 
Booker back on top with an axe kick and he actually hits the missile drop kick for a near fall but one Rick Steiner who's still at ringside Dave I don't know if you've forgotten he's still at ringside shockingly he interferes and pulls out uh, Nick Patrick although interesting that the missile drop kick was protected because I actually thought Sid was going to kick out of it I thought he was as well because he kind of he takes a big bump all the way out to the the corner of the ring so I was like ah he's going to put his feet on the rope but um, no Steiner pulls out the ref Charles gets in Steiner gets on the apron Charles for whatever reason stops Booker from hitting Steiner um, and then we just get basically a 3 on 1 and we get the assisted powerbomb for the pin and Sid remains not only your US champion but your martial arts division champion long may he reign says you uh, listen I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, yeah look it wasn't the worst Thunder Main event you've ever seen but it didn't like uh, do you know what at least I, it was different because how often in 1999 WCW were we getting crowd brawling it's true it's true well look in about five weeks Jeff Jarrett's gonna arrive that's <laughs> the fucking king of crowd brawling that is true you're gonna be fucking sick of it before long and the, and the hardcore division is mere months away from starting at least, so, but at least that at least that brings Terry Funk back to us. Yeah, God bless him. I am so. We are one hundred percent. I like one of the key shows I have in my head that I'm looking forward to for the rest of our timeline is Terry Funk versus the Horse. <laughs> now, Dave, just you'll have to rem- remember when Terry Funk shows up, we'll have to explain who he is because you know yes, just people that won't know who Terry Funk is like Alan Farrell Terry Funk is yes yeah. <laughs> and when Alan Farrell gets to that show in late 2028 it'll be fuming <laughs> uh, but yeah basically just thinking of it again well <laughs> Alan, I, no him just thinking oh, about it all again um, yeah so the show closes with Sid cutting a promo. Have we ever done jokes on this show for an audience of exactly one person like that? Always. It's basically Always. the existence of this show. We we exist to pop Alan. <laughs> I thought we existed to pop Lex Luger fan. Yeah, I just I don't even post these on the RSS feed anymore. I just send them to Alan. <laughs> um But I did like the show closing with, with Sid just cutting a promo in the dark. Well, to he sweating profusely. <laughs> yeah, into a like I I do think him screaming Goldberg, this will happen to you into a dead mic is very funny. He also called him Mister Goldberg, mm-hmm. and says it's going to be the scariest night in wrestling history, and then finishes off by going yeah. Yeah, he's just making noises as the show goes off the air. <laughs> um, actually, be- before we go, can we talk about Sid has worked hard since he came back. I think we should give him credit. He has worked hard. Ah, look, he's been a hoot. Like, he's not good in a classical or literal sense, but he's been great box office value. Ah, like, he's totally, like, made these shows much more palatable. I won't say good. Yeah. Palatable. Yeah. Um, For sure. But it's just, we need to get him away from the Steiners. Yeah. I mean, that's a... That's a good hard and fast rule for life, isn't it? Lee, that's Thunder episode 81 in the books. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on the show and who were your winners and losers? I like For all its faults, I didn't think the show was awful. 
Um, you know, the the booking still is a slightly confusing. As I said, it's not really clear what the alignment of the filthy animals are, what the alignment of the revolution is. Where this third faction of Chavo and the Luchadors comes in. Mm-hmm. It's all very kind of confusing at the moment. Um, Sting as a heel, as like the lead heel, just still doesn't make any sense. I will give them credit for doing the Van Hammer challenge and carrying that through to the next week. You know, it, it's a baby step, but it's a baby step in the right direction. And look, I'll never complain about Booker T getting the main event spot. And obviously the best match of the night, as you talked about, was Brandy Alexander and Mona. Mm-hmm. Like to me, they're the two winners. Um, just they came out and put on like a really good wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. I can't disagree with you there. Um, let's see. The finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger gives us seven matches with two clean finishes, one DQ, three interference leading directly to a finish, and one miscellaneous shenanigan. Um, yeah, that's uh, another episode of Days of Thunder in the bag. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on the free feed in two weeks. We will be back uh, in one week over at alargemanappears.com where you could join for just five Europeans a month and get yourself a minimum of three bonus podcasts per month. In January, we had a great run, Lee. We had the non-Rumble Royale. We had uh, the first of season three of Thunder Request Live Mm -hmm. covering Ring of Honor Best in the World 2018. And just shortly before this show went up, we had the return of Grab Bag Radio, my solo audio project once every two months. You will be up in February with your solo audio, uh, Peace Lonely. Um, And yeah, we are cooking to start 2024. And obviously in February as well, we will have a very special uh, TRL episode that's months in the making um, yep. I think I said I was going to reveal it on this show didn't I yes I think so so, so hit us with uh, what one of our this is I, like, I feel like everyone with a Patreon says this but this is a great month to sign up for the Patreon because so of this show This in February we will have a very special look back at Sting's entire run in AEW mm-hmm. so not Sting's career this is very specifically what um Listener of the show, Matteo, asked for it's Sting in AEW. So we will go back right to the beginning, through his debut, through his first match, his alignment with, with Derby, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, relive us nearly crying, jumping up and down, hugging mm-hmm. each other as Seek and Destroy plays out around Wembley. All the good shit uh, in the build-up to... Uh, the stinger taking one final bow and also this month we will have rehash of the champions 10 yes and Um, we will have a very special guest on the show with us as well yes indeed um more on that later uh thank you everybody for listening to another episode of days of thunder uh we'll see you again soon bye bye Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.
My name is Tyler Fornes, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.